Wales, more established lesbian. Welcome to chapter 10. I've only gone and done it. I've only gone and got the girl. I, honestly, I I couldn't I couldn't believe that it had happened. That the girl that I'd been wistfully staring at for almost 18 months at this point had been in my bedroom, had kissed me repeatedly and seemed very keen on continuing to kiss me. Couldn't believe my luck. And so... Rose and I just started spending an awful lot of time together. Now, initially, we had to keep things very, very discreet. A couple of different reasons. First up, my situation. Parents not so keen on the whole thing. I want to go to university, so we're going to play by their rules. Or at least we're going to make sure it seems like I'm playing by their rules. Rose, on the other hand, is in a very different situation to me. This whole thing is a first for her. And she's got a bit of processing, um, a bit of thinking to do. Not only in her own mind, but also considering the impact of this on her family. And not to mention that she was very clear that she wanted Lurch to find out from her and not from somebody else. All of these things, completely understandable. So we kept it quiet, kept it on the down low. And this, I kind of look back on this little section um, of, of us as a really, I mean, possibly with rose-tinted glasses, but with, um, with great fondness because we were sneaking around and it was, it was fun and exciting and, and romantic and, you know, snatch your moments and kisses wherever you could. And yeah, you just had to think so carefully about everything after previous near misses at home. But of course, we did study together, so that presented some opportunities. But we had to get a little bit creative. And thankfully, when we'd gotten together, it was kind of springtime, moving into summer. So, yeah, the weather was on our side um, to go al fresco, shall we say. And this was good because Rose was having to ponder, you know, whether or not she wanted to come out to her parents. Her parents were lovely, but they were religious. And when I say religious, they're not religious zealots or anything else like that. Um, Methodists, Christian Methodists, lovely people. But religion can be tricky, especially when it comes to the homosexuality, even in the Christian world. Uh, where they're supposed to be all kind and forgiving, etc. It doesn't seem to be a thing for some of them. But not so the Methodists that I have met. But at the same time, Rose is worried about this with her parents and what the church community will think. It just, yeah, I'd be a little bit concerned as well if both of my parents were not only um, religious, but also ministers. Uh-huh, both of them. <laughs> Not just a preacher's daughter. Well, is a preacher's daughter, but both of them were preachers. And that really threw me for a loop. 
the whole Methodists allowing women to run the show uh, as a Catholic, I was just like, is she allowed to be up there? Does anybody does anybody know that she's is she doing this? Is she substitute? Is this you know like um, mass light? I does it count? I don't know. Um, thank you, Catholic Church, for making me think that women couldn't possibly be in charge of the show. But the Methodists, not so much. They were very happy to share that situation around. Um, and the other thing I will say about Methodists, seriously good cake selection afterwards. Yeah. I mean, as church going goes, it was all right, to be honest with you. They were all really nice and there was good cake. So not saying I'm a fan of Methodists, but they're definitely all right in my book. As I mentioned, we had to get creative to find moments and, and time together. And as I said, the weather was on our side, so we'd often take a, a lovely walk somewhere, just hang out somewhere far, far away from other, other people, from prying eyes, from nosy neighbours. And where I lived at the time, ironically, had a dike running behind it, which is essentially... Um, an old channel that used to run down, used to contain water. We've all heard the story about the boy who put his fingers in the dike. Well, they actually lived next to a dike and lots of woodland, lots of playing fields in the area. Really nice. And um, you could cut through the dike um, and across and onto some playing fields um, on the other back of the other estate. So just far enough away from my house to not really be an issue. And these playing fields were massive absolutely huge and Rose and I had selected the furthest corner the least accessible corner where you would you you had to walk all the way over to it you couldn't come at it from any other angle so you would see somebody coming towards you and it was enough distance from pretty much anywhere else where nobody should really be able to tell what you were up to so lovely summery day and we're in the corner of this playing field and we're getting a little carried away, getting a little heated, lying on the grass together, kissing leads to one thing, leads to another. Um, and we're, we're having a lovely time. And it's, it's such a good time that I start to think I can feel the earth shaking beneath me. And then I can hear the deep rumble of an engine. It sounds like it's getting closer. It's not accelerating. It's like almost like a, a big truck engine, almost idling, just above idling. And I can sort of feel the ground move, you know, kind of vibrations through it a little bit. And it starts to bother me. So I stop what I'm doing and I look over my shoulder to see a fire engine driving across the playing field towards us. Probably it's not that far away from us at this point. Um, and I am thinking, what the hell? Like, and I look around and, you know, nobody's on fire over here. Things are definitely heating up, but we haven't got to that point yet. And I, I can't fathom why. Why? Why would there be a fire engine coming along? So at this point, I'm slightly hoping 
that it's just, it's going to go away. It's often my attitude to many things, but I'm hoping at this point the fire engine is just going to turn and go away. But it doesn't. And Rose is like, what's, what's going on? And we're lying there, still somewhat intertwined, just looking back at this fire engine, which is now almost with us, drives it within about 10 feet of us, full crew on board, staring out of the window. And one of them shouts out the window, all right there, do we need to hose you down? Mortified. Utterly mortified. I just, oh, I just want to spontaneously combust or something. I just so embarrassed, and I think it can't get worse until I look in the front passenger seat, and it is my fire service director from Duke of Edinburgh, sitting there, just looking at me with my legs all wrapped up in this very pretty girl, clearly having a lovely summer's afternoon out. Ah, he is just staring at me and oh, for shame. So much shame. And he just says, see you Wednesday. And with a nod, the fire engine gently drives away. I kid you not. It was an awkward Wednesday, just in case you were wondering, my next fire service session, very awkward. He didn't know what to do with himself. I didn't know what to do with himself. So nobody said anything. Now I have to confess that I'm a little bit of a lazy student. I've always managed to just coast on by, do enough uh, without having to apply myself too much. And this hadn't really set me up for A-levels particularly well because, well, they're actually quite hard in comparison to GCSEs. Um, and I, I was not applying myself, especially not coming into this final month or two with exams looming. I was all about Rose and hmm, any spare time I had was spent with her. We both probably should have spent much more time studying, but we didn't. And we had a lovely sort of early summer time together. The sixth form that we went to through a ball. Rose made her own dress and it was absolutely stunning um, in a gorgeous kind of deep red, um, made the whole thing herself so impressed. I, on the other hand, wore some god awful dress that just honestly, oh, just straight up and straight down and just a terrible haircut, terrible haircut, just this wasn't this wasn't one of the moments where things were good for me. I look back at those photos and oh, I do not recognise that person. But I wasn't I wasn't confident enough to to wear a suit or you know, and it it didn't feel like that would be acceptable. I, I loved the idea. I didn't have the courage at that point 
to push those boundaries. So yeah, things things have been going well. Um, and prior to going to the ball together, Rose had decided that she would come out to her parents and she was going to tell them that she was bisexual. And I offered to be there for her if she needed me. You know, we discussed how she was going to do it. And I tried to be as supportive as possible. Um, and in the end, she decided she wanted to tell them on her own, which I was very relieved about. Um, but that I would be, you know, kind of, I would park down the end of the lane. Um, and if all went horribly wrong, I would be on hand to kind of whisk her away from that horrible situation. So the evening comes where she wants to sit her parents down and come out to them. And so she goes, she goes in to do this. And I am, I'm just sat in my lovely little car with my cassette tape Walkman, um, my little pop-up speakers stuck to my dashboard, trying to pass the time. I lie, it might have been a CD player. I might, I had both, you know, plenty of technology. Never did mini disc though. And I, I sat and had conversations like that with myself while I waited for the fallout. And you just, you don't know. You never know how people are going to react. But I'll be honest with you, I was not expecting the text message that I got where she said, it went well. I was very relieved. I was like, okay, great. Um, what did they say? And her parents, upon finding out that she was bisexual and that I was her girlfriend, she she was offered a double bed. They said, We better get you a double bed then. There's no you can't be can't be having a single bed if you're you know, you're in a couple now. Are you kidding me? I I was so pleased for her, but at the same time, so jealous. I mean, how is that the response that you get from your parents? Like, oh, well, in that case, we'd better buy you a double bed. I mean, love them, love them. But, oh, I'm so jealous of that response. Oh, jealous. And I, I tell you, they were so accepting, so lovely, so welcoming. I mean... Honestly, you couldn't ask for two better people, to be honest with you. So, as I said, we went to the ball together. Rose made herself a beautiful dress. I borrowed and wore a terrible one. But all in all, we were together and, and things were really good. Really good. Which kind of meant that it was about time for me to get it wrong. You might remember that I'd said in previous chapters that when my exams ended, I had booked to go on a girl's holiday to Ibiza. Me and three of my friends, one week of madness in Ibiza. This had been the plan since before Christmas and Oh, I was so looking forward to it. So looking forward to it. A week away, no parents, totally allowed to drink. Let's do this. Except now I've got a girlfriend. 
And these holidays have somewhat of a reputation. And I'll be honest with you, Rose was a little bit concerned. And I could understand where she was coming from. And so we had a we had a little chat about what was going to go on in Ibiza, what was allowed to go on in Ibiza, uh, and just essentially what came out was a, listen, don't tell me. Go to Ibiza, have fun. That's all I want to know. And so that was the ground rules that were set for Ibiza. And I'll be honest with you, as an 18-year-old about to go away to party in San Antonio, I appreciated where she was coming from. I didn't feel like it was particularly likely that I was going to need such a lovely attitude from her. But, you know, it's nice to have it in your back pocket. Let's be honest. Ibiza beckons. Finally, it's holiday time. Me and the girls have packed everything and more that we need, jumped on a plane, and we have arrived in San Antonio, Ibiza. It's the summer of 2000. Garage is massive right now. Dance music is... Oh, Just, I am in a happy, happy place. I cannot wait to get out and go out. Of course, there are some of the tricky trials and tribulations of when you first go on holiday with your friends who you only ever normally see, you know, at school or at college or, you know, occasionally hanging out, you know, at the weekends and evenings, never for a prolonged period of time and never uh, under the stressful situation of traveling outside the country on your own and unsupervised. It, you know, there was a there was possibly some tension in the air. Now, I when I'm on holiday, I like to get a tan. I'll be honest with you, I am a bit of a lizard. I like to lie on something warm and have the sun on me. Um, and one of the things that I quite like is not having to wear a top. Very comfortable in just a pair of shorts and no top. And in previous holidays, depending on the resort, this has been okay. It doesn't occur to me that this might be an issue with my friends. doesn't even cross my mind. So we head down to the pool. Uh, one of the first days we're there, um, and I take my top off. There are a number of other women around the pool without their top on. And yeah, and there's a moment where the girls are just like, uh, why have you got your top off? And I'm like, does it don't want to get tan lines um i'm thinking of at least two or three different tops i've got i mean boob tubes were very in at the time you know i haven't tan marks you know we're in ibiza i'm surely i feel like this this is one of those weird moments where i feel like i'm being more femme about this than you are but okay and just there was a weird like awkwardness of ah, you're kind of naked and we can see you sort of situation which Granted, we hadn't been in those situations together before, but still, hmm. Thought nothing of it. You know, everybody was fine afterwards. We move on. And I mentioned this because this led me to assume that you know I was kind of on my own in the whole topless sunbathing category. Fine with that. 
believe me, didn't necessarily want to see my friend's boobs because well, it just gets a bit awkward then, you know, uh, what if I like their boobs? I just didn't want to go there. So it made sense to me that this was fine. So this was an assumption I'd made. Uh, two days later, uh, I'd fallen asleep at a beach while we were out for the day, woke up to see all three of them topless on the beach, all lying, boobs pointing skywards and genuinely fell over a sun lounge because I not was expecting it and I not know what to do with myself or where to look and that was a weird 10 minutes and I went and got an ice cream and I got over myself and everything was fine. So we've had a couple of nights out. I say we've had a couple of nights out. We've been out every night since we've got there, um, spending our mornings recovering, afternoons by the pool or by the beach and then dinner and out again we go. And all week, I have been looking forward to going to S Paradise. It's a beautiful nightclub, or it was. It was a bit, I don't know if it's still there. I'm presuming it is. It's a pyramid. It's a glass pyramid, and everything inside it is white. Um, for those older school lesbians of you, probably remember it from Mel C's video. Um, good old Mel C from the Spice Girl. She shot her video in there. But I was really looking forward to going to this club. It's like the opposite of... Every other club I'd ever been in, which had been dark and dingy, and oh, so looking forward to this. Of course, you can't just go straight out to a club. You've got to warm up first. And San Antonio in Ibiza has plenty of opportunities for young Brits to get absolutely wasted before they go into a club. And you have to do this because the price of even a bottle of water in the nightclubs was off the charts. Ridiculous levels of money. So you weren't getting more drunk once you were in the club. You needed to load up before you got in. Now, as you often do on holiday, you find a little bar that you quite like for your evening warm-up drinks. This is a bit of a thing that happens. And the bar that we had been quite enjoying and made some friends in, holiday friends, um, was running karaoke night. And we thought, why not? Let's go down there. And while we were there, a couple of red girl promotion girls turned up. Now, something you should know about me is I am pretty much fueled by energy drinks. Uh, moved away from Red Bull these days because it's very expensive, you know, budgets, etc., darling. But at the time, a very Red Bull brand loyal. Very. These two very pretty Red Bull promo girls were working this room incredibly well. They had us absolutely oh, done for drinking. I think I was drinking half pints of vodka and Red Bull. It was just, it was very messy to the point where there are photos of us and these Red Bull girls on stage doing karaoke together, having the time of our lives um but it's time now you know we've we've achieved the level of drunkenness well we've more than achieved the level of drunkenness we were aiming for and it's time to get to the club for the finale of that evening so we jump in a taxi we pull up outside the club and there's a huge queue and everybody in the queue has tickets just like us and i am thinking to myself i'm too a, I'm very drunk and quite quite belligerently drunk at this point. You know, quite a lot of confidence for some reason. Um, and I 
I'm not about this queue. I am not feeling it. You know, I'm looking, feeling myself, feeling my outfit. I've got a, I've got a bikini top on, uh, bright orange and white. You know, like a nice seventy sort of like flower power print against my lovely tan. A um, couple of white straps going around the belly. You know, this tiny little white skirt on. You know, with my little bikini shorts on underneath, and trainers as were kind of in at the time, fresh and white and clean. And I was thinking, you know what, I'm looking pretty good. And I look at the girls and I think, you know what, they've scrubbed up really well. And they they had, they looked, all three of them looked hot as you like. And I just thought, come on, girls, you know, like, let's just try this. And so I just took all four of our tickets and I put my arms around two of the girls. And I just walked up to the door, just handed the tickets and just walked straight in. And it was one of those weird moments where your confidence just carries you on through. Oh, and I, suddenly I was inside as Paradise, and it was just gorgeous. Just the way, honestly, all nightclubs should be light and bright in places. Don't get me wrong, they were dark corners. But on the whole, it just it was such a different experience. But their drinks prices were extortionate. And at this point, I was very glad to have the girls with me who were having drinks bought for them. But we're all having a fabulous time. I believe Boyd George has uh, DJed at this point. You can't complain. We are dancing our tits off and having a great time. One by one, the girls are either dancing with or chatting to uh, different people, different guys. And like I said, we were getting a few drinks bought for us. And I, yeah, there were a couple of drinks there that I think may have just taken me little bit too far and I'm having a lovely dance up on a balcony when I met a girl and we started dancing together and it got very heated very quickly now I am as I said really drunk at this point like just no real thinking going on at all and I'm getting off with this girl. And it, like I said, it is getting hot and heavy. And neither of us seems to give a shit that we are in public. That we're on the balcony of this very well-lit nightclub. Um, at some point, we swap names. And it turns out she has the same name as me. Which has always made me just feel a bit weird. I don't know why. I don't know why. But... Just there's something about somebody with the same name as you that just throws me off a little bit. But not enough to deter me. And we are having a great time. Now, although I'm slightly more feminine presenting than usual, I am clearly still a little bit butch. And I have taken charge or control in this situation. And I... I clearly want this girl and she wants me and so we waste no time no no and I get very intimate and amorous with this girl on and over the balcony of S Paradise very publicly quite frankly surprised that we did not get removed by security like, I, I I blush 
thinking right now I'm even blushing thinking about it um and so yeah very drunk me has has in in has engaged in this very intimate act of over the balcony and uh yeah headed home in my drunken stupor and attempted to sleep it off i've woken up the next day incredibly hungover it's so hungover and it it's not really it's not really there my brain hasn't retained this information not at this point in time and so I've woken up and I know I feel terrible and I know we went fairly hard last night and I know we got into S Paradise but I don't remember a lot after that until one of my friends leaves it a bit later until we're down by the pool you know because gotta be kind in these situations at least a little bit so she waits until we're down by the pool and I'm slightly more human and she says to me you know see that girl from last night again before we go home and I sort of look at her and think oh so I did get off with a girl last night I thought I did I was like oh I, um, I don't I I don't remember all that much of it. <laughs> and my friend tells me, that's all right. I'm pretty sure one of us got a photo of you fucking her over the balcony. So, yeah, don't worry about it. <gasps> oh, and this is not digital camera time, people. You know, I'm going to have to wait for us to get home for that film to be developed to find out if these people are lying to me or not. Not cool, not cool. So now I have the hangover from hell in this beautiful weather, which is just not helping my hangover. I now know that I cheated, despite the whole do whatever you like. I was kind of hoping that I wouldn't be that person, and I have been that person. And oh my god, they may well have photographic evidence of that fact. And oh my god, I fucked a girl over a balcony. What the hell? What? That was quite a morning in Ibiza. I have to be honest with you. And it didn't get an awful lot better when an hour later, said girl walked past my resort, shouting and waving, "Why are you doing?" And I just, oh. Like a really head down, give her a wave, give her a nod, just dying inside. So, yeah, we went out a few more times. I totally behaved myself the rest of the time, but mm, wasn't feeling so great about myself as we came home. Um, and it's summer. And so Rose has been working hard saving up money while I've been away, having a lovely time with my friends. And I I feel like I've got to tell her. And as we all know, generally speaking, that's to make me feel better and not her. So no benefit to her whatsoever. I if I, I'm sure if I'd have asked my friends really nicely to not say anything and explain the situation that they'd have potentially gone along with that, you know, on the grounds of not hurting her, etc. But no, no, honesty, 
very much my policy at this point. And so I have, I've come clean with her. I've explained what happened. She is mad as hell at me, understandably so. But somehow, somehow she forgives me. She's, she's like, look, we said what happens in Ibiza, you know, stays in Ibiza. I'm not going to hold it against you. You know, I kind of expected this. Let's just put it down to experience and let's just move on. Reset and let, let's go. And you know, I was incredibly grateful to her because I, there was no way that I would have wanted to lose her over that situation. But at the same time, you know, I had every reason to expect that she would. And so we both carry on working through the summer. You know, I get into university, uh, plans to stay in our town and, and do another course at the college that she's been going to. And so now we have to think about what the future looks like. You know, the summer is starting to come to an end. And my indiscretion in Ibiza, that's a little bit of an understatement there, had got me thinking that maybe maybe taking this relationship forward into university might not be a good idea. Uh, There's this whole theory that I slightly buy into, which is that quite often as um, a gay or a bisexual person, you don't necessarily get the same sort of teenage experiences because you're repressing them or trying to ignore them or it's not socially acceptable. And so when you do finally uh, come out and start doing that, you act like a horny teenager. Little part of me that subscribes to that school of thought purely because it offers me an excuse for my bad behaviour. And who doesn't like an excuse for their bad behaviour? But I was quite aware of it, and I remember just thinking, I just I don't think a long distance relationship's going to work. Yeah, I was mad about this girl, but. I just, I couldn't see how we were going to make it work. You know, all that back and forth. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be that person. But I made a decision. And one Friday night, not long before I was due to go off to university, I brought this subject up with Rose. So we sat there in her bedroom and I had my speech prepared. I had all my reasons of why we should break up or why I didn't think a long-distance relationship would work, why I didn't think it was fair on either of us. And I remember feeling awful and horrible as I said it and as I looked at her and she cried. And I remember holding her hands in my hands and not wanting to do it. Not I didn't want to break up with her, but I didn't, I didn't see how we were going to make it work and how that if we went ahead, I wasn't going to hurt her more in the long run and all of this stuff. And and as I gave her my speech, she was crying and I just, I kept feeling worse and worse and she didn't want to hear any of it. And she kept, she kept saying how we could make it work. and, And I, God, I wanted to believe her and I wanted, I wanted everything I wanted it to be it, I, you know, I wanted to fall in love with Rose and to never look back. I wanted that fairy tale. And so when she interrupted me, trying to yet again explain why I felt that breaking up was the best option, 
She interrupted me and she asked me to marry her. And that, that will shut a girl up. It will. I did not know what to say. I obviously you know, should have said no, potentially, but I didn't want to say no because actually all of a sudden I was thinking, holy shit, she wants to marry me. Like, this could be a fairy tale. Like, you, you're you into this enough that you... Oh, my... what? And so my, my brain stopped, and I think I said the words, maybe. Can I think about it? And I think from her point of view, at that, the dumping had stopped. I'd stopped trying to break up with her. And so therefore, as far as she was concerned, time to consider her impromptu marriage proposal was fine. Absolutely fine. And I mean, I was blindsided. I did not see that coming. I mean, you break up with a girl, you don't expect her to propose to you. It just... Oh... I walked out of that of her house that evening thinking I'm pretty sure that's the exact opposite of what I was attempting to achieve this evening. Um and so I drove home and I I was I was thinking about it. Because I didn't want to break up with her. As much as I didn't necessarily see how it was gonna work, I had fallen for Rose hard and I did I you know in my head I'm thinking well maybe this is it maybe this is the fairy tale and if I maybe if I say yes then it will all turn out all right maybe you know we will be the people who make it work and I went home to ponder all of this and I won't lie to you there is definitely a part of the fact that I had always known all along the gay marriage was not legal, okay? The, any kind of union between myself and another woman was never going to be legally binding. It was not a thing. At, at most, it would be a blessing, a commitment ceremony, what have you. There weren't the real-world consequences if it went wrong, as far as I was concerned. You know, I wouldn't have to be paying for a divorce or any of that business. So... This always kind of made it, I guess, less serious in my head. Not how it should have been, but I do think this was part of why, when I was mulling things over, it seemed like an option. But I also think just that act of, you know, that signalling from her that she wanted it to be something more and she wanted it to be bigger and she wanted us to try was enough for me. I, I'd kind of assumed that me going away to university and, and all the effort that that would involve putting on our relationship would kill it dead for her. Um, and now here she was asking me to marry her. The girl I'd stared at every Thursday afternoon for the last two years. Asking me to spend my life with her. Couldn't, couldn't believe that. And I thought, well, if she feels like that, and I know how I feel, I know I've fallen for her, hmm, what should I do? 
So this was a Friday night that I tried to break up with her and that she had counter proposed <laughs> quite literally. The next day meant we were both at work and I'd been thinking all night about what I was going to do and what I was going to say. And that morning at work, my mind was elsewhere, totally elsewhere. And eventually, it finally was my lunch break. Typical. The one day I wanted an early lunch, I ended up on the late lunch. Last lunch possible. And I headed straight down the high street to where Rose worked. And I walked straight into her shop, cutting through all of the clothes stands until I found her. I just stood in front of her. I said, yes. Let's do it. Yes. Let's make it work. And with that, Rose and I got engaged. And I headed off to university. And that's it for chapter 10. I can't believe 10 whole chapters. Thank you so much for listening along to my story so far. Though maybe maybe you've just jumped in at chapter 10 because you really wanted to know what happened in Ibiza. I mean, either way, I appreciate you listening. And for those of you who reached out in any way, shape or form, a massive thank you to you every time you get in touch, you say something lovely. Oh, honestly, I sit on my sofa in my little flat and I have the biggest smile on my face. So thank you if you've made the effort to reach out and say something nice or otherwise. Um, I do appreciate it a lot. Don't forget, if you've got any questions, you can get in touch with me. Instagram, Facebook, um, Well-Established Lesbian, Tales of a Well-Established Lesbian. Uh, we're on Reddit as well. Got our own little subreddit, r slash T-O-A-W-E-L. There's a live chat function in there that you can use, um, and I'll pick that up and get back to you. But otherwise, thank you, as always, for the privilege of your time. I will see you next week chapter 11 in the meantime look after yourselves and take care